I'm always getting asked, what should I do with my engagement ring? Well, I finally have the answer. Sell it with Worthy. I'm partnering with Worthy so you can turn your wedding jewelry into cash, fast and risk-free. Worthy is great because their competitive auctions ensure you get the best deal possible. Over 45,000 people have already moved on by selling with Worthy. If you're ready to move on from your ring, visit worthy.com moms to get an extra $100 when your jewelry sells for over $1,500. That's worthy.com moms when you're ready to move on. This week on Moms Moving On. You could have been bitter. You could have been angry. You could have been resentful. You could have been scorned woman. You weren't. So you're amicable, right? Like, that's that. And like, that's not to say I didn't feel almost all of those things at some point. But I did choose what, how I dealt with those and how I showed up within those and how long I wanted to sit in those feelings. Life moves on, so why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Moms Moving On. I have a friend on with me today who is not just amazing in her own right, and you'll hear her story and understand. She's also a Moving On Method certified coach, which is really fun for us. Uh, Jessica Frew, if you don't already follow her, you're going to after this. She's the co-host of a successful podcast called Husband-in-Law that she records with her husband, Matt, and ex-husband, Steve. Together, they share stories of love, marriage, coming out, divorce, remarriage, and co-parenting to help others know that they are not alone. Together, they co-own The Bold Logic, a company devoted to helping people go from living in an I should mindset to taking bold action toward keeping and reclaiming their sense of self. Jessica is a firm believer that by knowing and understanding what it is you really want in life, you can boldly create a life you love no matter what your circumstances. Jessica would love to tell you about her story. We are so excited to hear it. Jessica, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me on, Michelle. It's fun to chat with you. It's fun to see you like in this, you know, put you like in the hot seat. Um, You were such a great addition to our last training that you, which, when did you do that? A couple of months ago already now, right? Yeah. Yep. It's been a hot minute and I loved it. So great. I'm really glad. I'm glad you liked it. And I love having, um, you know, people who are already professionals in their own right helping others live their best lives, come and take this to have a different perspective and um, more tools in their toolbox to help people through tough times. But you, my dear, are like a living testament to just, I don't know, making lemonade or Spanish fly out of lemons. Where do we even start? Oh, man. Yeah, I I feel like, um, you know, we hear about toxic positivity. And I always am telling people, I'm like, I am not a toxic positivity person, but I am a very positive person and tend to make the most out of whatever situation I'm given. That doesn't mean I don't feel my feelings. I don't dive into all of the hard things. You have to go through all that to be able to have what it is you really want on the other side of things. So yeah. And diving in, do you want me to tell where this all started? I like that you're starting with that because yes, like we see you, and it's like, oh my God, she's 
fucking amazing. Like you're cheerful, you're bright, you have a positive attitude. And it's nice to hear that you're human too. I think, you know, yeah. people need that reminder because you can, it can be a both ends. You can be both yeah. struggling with something and choose to move forward with positivity and love, which is I think the realest thing you can do in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And to be clear about this, like yesterday, I was just like, I cannot function. <laughs> and I Girl. went and laid in bed for like two hours. I was like, you know what? This is just the reality, especially there is so much going on right now in the world and our lives and so much that's out of our control that sometimes you just have to lean into those. Well, if you're feeling that lean into those moments and then realize, yes, I'm going to carry on as well. Um, and that's kind of, I feel like the story of my life. Yeah. Well, let's hear the story of your life. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. So most people like me to start when I met my ex-husband. Uh, we were in college and I went to a choir concert. I was a vocal performance major at the time. And I was like, I do not want to be at this concert, but I was supposed to be there. And I was standing up to leave. And this row of women, like 10 women, start walking down the aisle and filing into the seats in front of me. And I was like, okay, I got to wait until these ladies leave. And at the very end of the row, there was this tall, good looking guy. And he didn't fit on the row and he had to sit next to me. And I was like, all right, this just got a lot better. I will stay. And we chatted, you know, respectfully on and off throughout the concert. And then at the end, he's like, hey, I would love to ask you out. I've actually, he didn't admit this at the time, but he'd like seen me walk by his house to and from college, like going to classes and stuff. And he's like, I'd love to take you out. And he called me the next day. We went out and we were together like every chance we could be after that. It was just like an instant fit. We had so much fun together. And he was really looking for somebody that he could be himself with. And he found that with me. Um, so we met in February and we were married by December. So it was wow. super quick. And uh, we also, I should preface this, were raised in a very conservative Christian religion. And so that feeds into our story. <laughs> and we okay. like did all the things. We were like good little we checked all the boxes for our religion and did all the things and we got married. And six months into our marriage, I found a bunch of porn on our computer. And while I knew he looked at porn, I didn't realize it was all men. Like as this porn's popping up on our computer, I'm realizing there are no women in sight. I was like, I understand some straight men look at like gay porn, but I knew in my heart that my husband was gay. And so at that did point- Did you know before this moment? No, no idea. Okay. No idea. No okay. clue. Um, like I said, he disclosed that there was pornography use, but he did not disclose that it was all men. <laughs> right. And um, he was very much in denial still that he was gay. And he said at that point, it was the first time he'd let himself even think the words, I'm gay. And he still couldn't say it to me. He couldn't put that outside of himself. But he's like, in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gay. I'm gay. But he was in denial to me. And I was like, okay, my husband's probably gay, but I am really happy. And this is the path we were told we should live into. Like, this is how our life should look. This is where we should be going. So I was like, we'll continue forward. And like a year and a half later, he was in counseling for some stuff he had going on. And the counselor's like, yes, these things are an issue, but really you're gay. And until you accept that fact about yourself. And you're ahead. still married at this point. <laughs> we're still married. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, He's the counselor was like, until you like accept that fact about yourself, then you aren't going to be able to deal with these other things. Like they're not going to resolve because it's feeding into the fact you're not accepting who you are. And so at that point in our marriage, we're about two years in 
he came out to me officially and was like, I'm gay. I don't want to leave you. I really love you. I'm happy. And I felt very strongly the same way. Like we had such a good time and we could, like I said, be ourselves together. We felt safe together. And so we continued forward. And at this point, we're like trying to have a baby and all of these things. We had started into basic fertility treatments um, of like testing and stuff. So we were like in it. And we continued forward. We brought a daughter into our lives three years after that. And then two years after she was born, just before her second birthday, Steve ended up having an affair um, with a man. And at that point, he just couldn't connect to me anymore, like physically. Emotionally, we were still very connected. Physically, though, he was just like, I can't do this to you anymore. I don't know what I want. And he told me, he's like, I felt horrible for having the affair, like for what it did to our relationship and what I knew it was going to do to you. And he said, but it also felt like the most natural right thing for me that I've ever done in my life. And I was like, okay. Um, But I I love that he could say that to you so openly and honestly, because something tells me that despite this, you know, I guess, disappointment you felt and learning that Mm -hmm. he was gay, you were his safe space and you were his person throughout that. So how amazing for him and, and for the both of you now, but anyway, continue. That's a testament to you. It's like such a weird dynamic to be in when you have a partner come out in your relationship, because very often it is that, that you feel like, oh my there's an honor that comes with somebody coming out to you that you know you're a safe place for them, that they feel comfortable um, expressing that to you. And also it represents so often your relationship changing and shifting and all of these things that you weren't planning for your life. And so it can be such a tricky place to navigate. Uh, I knew that he was gay already. So this wasn't like a huge revelation, but it was a weird thing. Like when I talk about this, I'm like, it's so weird (laughs) to think back to the fact that he could say those things to me and that that actually felt better than him withholding it. Cause for, he didn't tell me about the affair, like immediately it was to his credit, it was within a couple weeks of the affair, but I knew something was off in those two weeks. Like I felt it and I knew something I'm like, what has shifted? What is going on? And then when he finally told me, I was like, okay, you can, I can release this. And that's why I always tell people it's more the lying or the covering up that damages relationships than the infidelity. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Um, So we, at that point, got divorced. Uh, We got divorced very quickly and we're pretty amicable about it, but we really sat down and made a plan for our divorce. It was so weird to be in that space where you're hurting and mourning the loss of something that's so important to you. But I just kept thinking, but what do I really want this to look like now? Like, I have no control over the fact we're getting a divorce. I do have control in how we show up for each other and for our daughter moving forward. And so we like- That is, I mean, hello, that's the whole episode. Yes. (laughs) And while it may be weird to sit and plan for your lives apart, what Mm -hmm. a gift to your child that you were both able to come together and know that no matter what, you guys both have this shared love for her and a desire to keep things- safe and healthy for her. Yeah. Yeah. And I, Steve always gives me kudos for this, like us being able to have the relationship that we have. And I'm like, there's no way you can have this type of relationship and make this work unless both people are willing. You can create the own feelings and things you want within yourself, no matter what the other person does. You can have a healthy, safe relationship with them 
as long as you know what it is you want within yourself. I'm going to say something that contradicts that only because, you know, I work in this space Yeah, and I too have an ex-husband and I see day in and day out conflict. And I will tell you that the biggest driver in amicability between two divorced people as they're co-parenting is when the woman decides, you know what, I'm going to let go and let live. It is what it is. Let's move forward that the women don't realize how much power they have in that capacity. So 100%. to say that it takes two, yes, in, in some ways it does, right? We're all relational creatures, but to know that it takes one person to make a change for something better and that change can lead to something better is yes. also very important. And that's 100%. You could have been bitter. What you I could mean. have been angry. Yes. You could have been resentful. You could have been scorned woman. You weren't, so you're amicable, right? Like yeah. that's yeah. that. And like, that's not to say I didn't feel almost all of those things at some point, but I did choose what, how I dealt with those and how I showed up within those and how long I wanted to sit in those feelings. Mm -hmm. Like you have control over that. And women, I think we often feel like we don't have control. Like we're like, oh, it's just happening to me. Everything's out of my control. And I'm like, no, take back your freaking control. <laughs> like You get to choose this. That's and it. Michelle, I completely agree that like the power we have as women to choose that and the way it changes the relationship is amazing and so powerful. And I only say that it takes two because we have a very different relationship with my current husband's ex-wife. And it has taken us of like, I came into that relationship hoping to have this, a similar relationship that I have to my ex-husband. So I was inviting her to do things with me. We, I would and tell her when I was taking her kids because they were with me on our weeks when we were going to the pool and like really tried to facilitate that relationship. And then she came in and took all of the things I'd shared with her as I was creating this safe space for us and threw me under the bus to my husband, to her kids, parental alienation, all of those things. And so I realized that it had to, I had to set it up differently. Now, today we have a relationship where we can talk, but we don't like engage. This isn't something that she's my friend and that's okay. This yeah. type of relationship that we have now is what's best for the kids. So um, I get it on all of the sides. <laughs> like There's a lot to, to take in, but we chose at that moment, going back, like what our divorce was going to look like. And we right. laid it out in great detail, knowing that the way we got there or the exact details didn't really matter. What mattered was the feelings we wanted to have within our relationship. And so sometimes things that we thought were important had to change and pivot and shift and realize that, oh, this isn't really important. In order to keep the feelings we want within our family dynamic, we have to do things differently than we thought. And that's okay. And so Did I you think have there's a collaborative a divorce process. Um, I, I, what do you mean in that? Tell me exactly so what you mean. There's, there's litigation, there's mediation, there's traditional, you know, everyone has their own attorney mm-hmm. and goes against each other type of divorce, or then there's collaborative divorce where everybody kind of comes together to take best next steps. So what we did was I got an attorney just to make sure that everything was written out properly. Steve and I decided kind of what it was going to look like. I had the attorney write it out. We filed, like gave it to Steve. He made a couple tweaks and that was it. 
So it was very different in that way too, of just, we already knew how we wanted it to kind of look. And Steve put a lot of trust in me in that. Like I have a lot of the custody and everything because we really determined that we could make this look how we wanted to look and that it was just easier to have things written out. So it's a different dynamic than most divorces, I would say, and how we yeah. went about it. I would say it was collaborative in our own, in, your own way. <laughs> in how Sounds we like decided That's to why do I it. Asked. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was more just let's, let's make sure it's done right, but done according to what we really want. So what is your custody split now? So it has shifted. Our daughter is now, she was two when we got divorced. She's right. now 13. And oh. we have shifted according to how it looks for her and what she Love needs. That. She's actually almost 14. Holy crap. Um, and so we have, as she's become a teenager, realized it's even harder on her to go back and forth between houses, with sports, with everything right. that's going on. And so um, we just shifted it at the beginning of this year, actually, where she's with me most of the time. She's with her dad every other weekend and then Tuesday evenings until bedtime so that she doesn't have to worry about all the things. She carries a bit of anxiety. And so going like having to shuffle everything all the time was just really getting to her. It was just too much. And like this week it's it's up in the air too like tomorrow night she's with Steve tonight and then tomorrow I can't take her to some events that she has so he's stepping in and taking her to those things so it's really kind of like hey can you do this and if he can't then I go to my parents or to Matt my current husband so um but it's it's flexible at this right. point like we have a type of relationship where it can be flexible we live within 5 minutes of each other right. and so we can embrace that and again that's not for everybody but this is what works for us and it's our daughter it's not for everybody and it's not as necessarily like a requirement of good co-parenting but damn mm -hmm. if it doesn't make it easier like the flexibility oh that that my daughter's father and I have found in recent years after years of it being hard and horrible it yeah. made me realize that it doesn't matter if you have 50, 50, 80, 20, if you don't have flexibility and amicability, it's all going to fucking suck. It just is. Yeah. And so being able to find that and say, okay, you know what? Our daughter needs X, Y, and Z more than we need to abide by a schedule. That's what it's all about for me. And it's hard to not see it as personal to you. Like when we made this shift to Penny staying at our house most of the time, Steve was like, he he worked through it. And we talk about it on our podcast, actually, of him going through this mentally of recognizing this has nothing to do with me. This doesn't mean my daughter loves me less. This doesn't mean Jessica thinks I'm a bad father. Like all of these things that naturally come up for us when we're getting less time with our kid it has to come down to this is what our kid needs at this point. Mm -hmm. And I still get to show up. I still get to be at the games. I still like, I still get to do those things. I can still call and say, Hey, can we go get dinner together? And we'll be like, yeah, come pick her up. You know, as long as that works in the beginning, I really suggest it. Like we really tried hard to stick to the schedule as much as possible just to gain trust and respect and some consistency for Penny. With that being said, she also knew that if she needed to see one of the other parents, we didn't hesitate to reach out and be like, hey, Penny really misses you. Will you, do you want to take her to the park or something like that so that, that she got that? Um, but I do think there's, 
a healing process that happens when you can create some respect, respect of those boundaries of the other parent's time and make sure that's in place. And then it becomes easier to ask for those changes or those shifts to say, hey, can I take her or hey, would this work if we switch this? Because those boundaries have been put in place. They're calling it the Bible for all divorcing moms. I can't believe it, but that's what they've said about my book, Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice on Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self. Moms Moving On is filled with practical, actionable, and empowering advice from someone who's been through it and come out on the other side, me. Through inspirational stories, rituals, journal prompts, and my guidance, you'll learn how to navigate your divorce with confidence, adjust to life as a single mom, shift your perspective to find your way back to your best self, and create the life you truly deserve. It's available in paperback, hardcover, audiobook, and Kindle. So go get my book. I promise you won't regret it. So going back to that healing process, because like you mentioned in the beginning, it wasn't all rainbows and butterflies. How could it have been? What was the healing like for you? And how have you shown up different in this marriage versus your first? Yeah. Um, So the healing process with Steve and I looked like taking time apart so that we could come back together. I, a lot of people see mine and Steve's relationship now and they're like, they they want to just jump into that. Like, let's be best friends. Let's mm-hmm. do the things together. Let's spend every holiday together. And I'm like, I really encourage you to take some time apart. Like, so you, <laughs> yes. like allow yourselves to figure out who you are now outside of this relationship and then be able to come together. Like you have to be able to heal like they can't be your emotional support person while you're healing. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, There can be moments of that. There were moments of that, but also there needs to be some space. Um, And so I tell people like, figure out what it is you want, figure out your own dynamics and then start trying out things and see how they feel. It's not always going to feel good. It might feel rough at first, but like figure out, like, oh, we can go do this thing together. We can't do that together. Like there are just things that are like that and it's okay. Well, that's, and that's what I think is so unfair about the divorce process, right? It's like, this is your person that you vowed Mm -hmm. to be with forever, but now you have to be adversarial with them to go through this divorce process. Your natural inclination is to lean on them for support. They're not going to give it to you and stepping away. That's why I say like, don't be so set on co-parenting the first two years. Rest comfortably in the fact that if you're parallel parenting, you're probably doing what you need to do to emotionally disconnect, to break the marital cycle of codependency and comfort and all that comes with that. That's, that's, I love that you bring that up because I think that's one of the healthiest things you need to do for yourself. If you would have told me seven years ago that my ex and I have, would have the relationship we have now, I would have told you you're crazy. We could barely be in the same room together. Yeah. And now he is my emotional support person when it comes to things like our daughter. He's the first person I call. So yes, things, things have a funny way of getting to where they need to be. Yeah. There, there, it gets to a healthy place where it is that person that you can call for those things, especially things regarding your kid. I mean, like mm-hmm. Steve was at Penny's volleyball tryouts last week and he's texting me. He's like, she's so brave and so confident and like all these things. And I love that we can still share that. And, um, it's interesting because Matt's ex-wife had 
our my stepdaughter at the same tryouts different times but at the same time and she was texting Matt and that has taken that's a miracle that they can come together and she was texting like oh she's doing so good and things like that like and that's a gift to be able to still feel that and to have that but it does take that I I fully agree like parallel parenting basically at the beginning and understanding that everybody's figuring out these new dynamics. Nobody's doing anything perfect. Like let's give grace and space to everybody to navigate this so that we can have a relationship that works down the road. Yeah. And I have to ask, and I'm sure you've been asked this before, and I apologize if it's a little bit um, too personal. Was there some level of uh, like difficulty trusting after this, you know, you went mm-hmm. through infidelity. And on top of that, you went through learning that the person you thought you were spending your life with had a completely different sexual identity than you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so was there any fear or hesitation getting into a new relationship thinking, oh my God, this could happen again? And how did you overcome that? So one of the things that for myself, I really needed and that I work with women on, this is my main thing that I work with them on is coming back to trusting ourselves. Like, if we can find the trust within ourselves to trust our own gut, to trust what we feel is right for us, then moving into the next relationship is a whole lot easier because you can trust that intuition. And we as women often wait for proof as to why our gut is telling us something. So we stay in a crappy relationship that's not serving us longer than needed because we want the proof that something's wrong. Our gut can't be right until we have that proof. And then we're like, we knew it. We knew something was off. I don't know. (laughs) And so I'm I'm not naturally that type of person. I am naturally the type of person that if my gut is like, this is not okay. Like what is happening? Something is not okay here. I turn and go. Like I am like, I'm out. And not that I do this perfectly all the time. But I did that with Steve. Like I knew when my time was to leave that relationship, I don't regret any of the years I spent with him. Like that was something I intentionally chose into and can own that. And so I think that once I felt confident in trusting myself in dating, it was like, okay, this is going to be fine. I can tell this guy isn't into me. He's just into this physical relationship. He just wants somebody to do things with. Like he's, Mm -hmm. it's not about me. And Mm -hmm. so you can tell those differences. I could tell when a guy was genuinely interested in me and leaned into that. And so it was easier for me knowing that I could trust myself to be able to trust somebody else. And that's why I tell women, I'm like, you don't have to trust your partner. You have to trust yourself. And while I do trust my partner, that's because I trust in like my well-being, like my intuition. And so I, I talk a lot too about like Matt leaves my new husband. We've been married for 10 years now. Um, he'll go on vacation, not vacations, like work trips and stuff. And it never crosses my mind that something is going on. And that's always when things went, Steve never had an affair on a work trip, but something, he would always tempt fate. Like he would right. always do things that were like, not really okay within the boundaries of our relationship. Um, And so I thought that when Matt went on these trips that I would like be not okay and that I would carry anxiety and all those things. And at first I was honest with him. I'm like, I might have a hard time with this. And I think that being honest and open like that Uh of saying, hey, this feels hard for me. This creates some anxiety for me with your partner. 
allows you to have that communication and be able to, can you touch base with me at this uh-huh. time? Can you uh-huh. whatever? And now like Matt leaves and I'm like, whatever, just let me know you're- Because you your, gut knows. your gut knows. Your gut knows. My gut knows. Safe. It's so we crazy, know. Jessica. Like, I, I, I love this because I was the most psychotic, untrusting person in my first marriage. Like I think about it, even now my ex-husband will be like, so your husband's on a work trip. You're not going bad shit crazy. Like, and it's so funny because like, I know I don't have to, my gut knows. And it's one of those things that you just can't explain, but just feels so peaceful. If you are going crazy, if you are feeling like this crazy anxiety, something is wrong. Like, yes, maybe it's just some healing that needs to be done, but also like in your first marriage, like usually that's telling us, Hey, something isn't right. And we just mm-hmm. chalk it up to, oh, I'm too emotional or, oh, I'm, I'm too protective or mm-hmm. I'm jealous. Oh, or I was I'm too everything. I, yeah. In my mind, but yeah, I got, yeah. I got new baby. God, mm-hmm. us women, we really need to get a handle on that because. But the thing is, go ahead. That's where our power comes from. Our power yes. comes from that intuition. That's why we are able to be mothers. That's why we're able to know when yes. our baby is hungry or when our baby is tired. And then we second guess it in relationships. But that's what's beautiful about divorce. In any capacity, yep. whether whether there was infidelity or not, you learn at that point that your gut knew all along and you're never gonna not trust that bitch again, ever. Dang straight. And I'm always like, this is the power. Women are like, oh, but I didn't listen before. And then I'm like, but you knew. You know what that feels like. And now you are going to claim your freaking voice and you are going to trust everything in you this time, whether you have proof or not, because nothing has to be wrong. Like this person doesn't have to be doing something for you horrible to, for you to know that the relationship isn't right. It just means it's not right for you. And that's okay. And that um, is, yeah. 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 And so it's, amazing. You're just trusting. Just- no, Trusting because really I see, I'm sorry. I see people deal Go with ahead. a lot less and have just such a hard time pulling themselves out of it, you know, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying I'm not minimizing anybody's experience, no. but you know, there is a double whammy associated with your situation and you still are just like this being of love and light. And it's just, it's inspiring, especially right now in these terrible times, like good for you. Well, thank you. Thanks. Um, And why I want to touch a little bit why trusting our gut is so hard because so many of us struggle with it and we beat ourselves up about it. And I'm like, it's not our fault. Uh, but we are going to now do it. Like we're going to take it back. But when we're little, we are told like from a young age, oh, you're fine. That didn't hurt that bad. It's okay. You shouldn't feel that way. It's not mm-hmm. that big of a deal. Like that's fed in us from very little with good intentions. Like our parents are doing that because they want to protect us. They want to help us. All of those things. And then we hit teenage years and that's reinforced. Like, oh, you mm-hmm. should look like so-and-so. You should act this way. You Stop, should whatever. so hard. I know. And then we get to being adults and whether it's work, whether it's being a mom, whether it's being a partner, we're told how that should look. And if we aren't showing up in those ways, we beat ourselves up. If we want something different, then we beat ourselves up. And so I think that it takes time to rebuild that in ourselves that, oh no, I am not too loud. I am not too anxious. I am not too much. I am not whatever. This is real for me. And that's all that matters. I always say, yes, that you know, when it comes to figuring yourself out after a painful relationship, ask yourself, was I too 
anything? Or was that person just not equipped to deal with who I am? And there's a big shift that happens there. Yeah. Yeah. And when you come out of something, a relationship that feels heavy and hard, like you're feeling all those things, usually a lot of that like calms down. Because you're not in this fight or flight mode. You're not mm-hmm. feeling, you're not ignoring your body. And so your body's not freaking out of like, oh my gosh, your body, your emotions, like all of it, like screaming at you. Yeah. This you asked about my my second relationship. And it's interesting because I feel like I lost myself more in my second relationship than I did in my relationship with Steve. Steve and I didn't tell anybody what was going on until we knew we were ready to divorce because we wanted to know it was right for us. Like we really silenced that noise. And that's not for everybody. That that was what was right for us because I needed to know I was making the decisions for myself. I can respect that totally, yeah. Yeah. When I entered my relationship with Matt, I thought it was all going to look this one way and I had it figured out. I was ready and it was a freaking shitstorm. And I completely lost who I was because I was trying to prove something to his kids, to his ex-wife. He was a mess. All sorts of stuff he thought he'd processed through before we got married came up like on our honeymoon. And he just like completely fell apart. And so I was pushing and pushing to be who everybody else wanted me to be. And then I was like, what am I doing? Like, I am not trusting myself and what I need. And when I started taking that back and trusting my gut and setting firm boundaries with myself and with other people, things fell into place. And we had the relationship I thought we could have. But it took that time. And Matt then saw, oh my gosh, Jessica's okay. I'm not destroying her life. (sighs) I'm okay to show up how I need to show up and process Uh through these things as well. And it created a safe space for everybody. Um, And And so I always like, yeah, we have to lean into who we are and trust what we need so that we can show up the best in our relationships. Um, But it's, it's a tricky thing to learn, especially after we've been through something hard in our relationship. Right. And, And I feel like every relationship and every experience just sort of adds to our, our story and who we are and how we move through this world and how we treat other people and how we treat ourselves. And so that's why I feel going through setbacks, going through hard times, being disappointed, it all adds to the bigger, better picture, which you'll be mm-hmm. smarter and stronger because of. So, I mean, all all amazing things that you are. It's wonderful and no doubt because of what you've gone through and your family's so 100%. lucky to have you. I'm so grateful that you shared your story with us. Um, I know that you have a retreat coming up. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So I um, have a retreat. They're they're small retreats. They are here in Boise, Idaho, and they are for women who have experienced some sort of betrayal in their relationship, whether that is having a partner come out. I do have a lot of women who come that have had a partner come out. Um, And then I have women who come who are like, hey, I'm experiencing this sort of betrayal. And it could be self-betrayal. Like if you have betrayed yourself in your relationship, you have betrayed your gut, like these are the things we work through and they are life-changing. Like you leave a different person. Um, This last retreat, one of the most powerful things that I saw was so many women releasing, uh, like forgiving people. They released all of this stuff they were carrying. And it was not just their exes or their partners. Some of them are still with their partners. You can come either way. Um, But it was releasing things towards their parents and towards like other people in their lives and not just all of 
not just geared towards their partners. And often we have to do those things before we can release the forgiveness for our partners. And we can release that anger because there's so much compounded. It is January 25th to the 28th. Okay. So we will link that. I know you have a free workbook for our people. So we're going to link that as well. Where can everybody find you if they want to learn more about you or follow you or do all those things? Yeah. So you can find our podcast on any podcasting platform. It's called Husband in Law. Um, Start with episode one. We go chronologically through our story of the three of us sharing all the things. Um, I am on Instagram at Hey Jessica Frew. That is where I'm the most active. I'm also on Pinterest and LinkedIn. So you can find me there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. And for those of you listening, I highly suggest you check Jessica out, even if your story isn't the same as hers, you will definitely draw from her inspiration. I know I do. And uh, you won't regret it. We will see you next time on Moms Moving On. Thank you so much, everybody. So you want to be a divorce coach, but the term divorce coach is a broad one because there is just so much you can cover in the world of moving on. Maybe you find yourself gravitating towards clients with high conflict co-parents, or perhaps you have a knack for helping women pull themselves out of bed when they feel overwhelmed with single mom responsibilities. No matter your ideal client, the one thread that will unite them all is that they're moms and moms need a different level of support when it comes to divorce coaching. With my moving on method, you'll not only learn how to best support a client through their divorce, you'll also learn how to help support them as they transition into their new role as co-parents and managing a coaching business. I'm Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, certified divorce and co-parenting specialist, and I founded the moving on method after years of working with clients from all over the world and seeing them all struggle with the same issues. In this training, you'll learn my five principles for helping a client with their moving on process, along with how to make your practice successful. Visit momsmovingon.com today to apply for my program. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.